And all God's people said. When John Wesley started the Methodist movement in the Americas, he pleaded with his pastors to stand firm on the Word of God. This morning I learned that if you sit your Bible down, a musician will take it from you. So from now on, the next three weeks that I'm here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Larry's microphone every chance I get. Because it made for a wild morning. And uh, thank you to my beautiful wife slash secretary for finding it and calming my nerves down. So Larry, it's, it's on, bro. Let, let's go to the Lord in prayer real quick. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you once again today. We just ask that you will allow us to set aside anything blocking us from your spirit. Help us today to hear your words. Remove me from this place and pour out your spirit onto us. In your name we pray. Amen. Today's scripture is found in Ephesians. Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus in the third chapter, verses 14 through 21. It's actually his second prayer that he is praying in this short letter to the church in Ephesus. He says this, picking up in verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Last week, Pastor Brian talked about something that some of us may have already experienced or we're going to experience at some point this summer. He talked about packing. And I don't know about y'all, but the way we do it is we make a to-do list on what to pack, how to pack, where it's going to go, who needs it for what day. And then you get all this stuff together, you lug it out to the car, you cram it in, you get the car, you wedge it shut, then you get in the car and you're so mad at each other you don't even speak halfway down the road. Family vacation is already ruined. Some people are laughing, they've been there. Before you even get started. And then you get a little way down the road, and you think, did I, did I fill up? Did I even stop and get gas for the trip? And oftentimes if you're like me and you forget, you just keep going like it's part of the plan and you end up stuck at a, the only gas station within 50 miles that looks like that. So today as we look at Paul's second prayer here, the end of the prayer, he tells the, the church in Ephesus the goal. To be full of the fullness of God. So that's what I want us to talk about today. This, this could actually be a whole sermon series. It's such a powerful prayer. Um, several years ago, eight years ago, when I did the, my first sermon ever that I can remember um, here at our, one of our first journey services. This is the, the scripture that I use. So it touches a special place in my heart today. Uh, being probably one of the last times that I'll ever get the opportunity to preach a full service uh, in this wonderful church. 
But as I started thinking about it this week and how much my heart has changed and how much my understanding of this prayer has changed over the last eight years. So we're going to dive into a couple things and then just kind of move on and, and, and I'll leave Pastor Brian the rest to explain later on. The first thing that Paul is praying for the church is that they will be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. That they will be strengthened by the Holy Spirit by God's glorious riches. Not just strengthened, but strengthened by God's glorious riches. So then you have to kind of ask yourself, well, what's Paul talking how, how rich is God? Well, there was a, an elderly gentleman who knew his life was coming to an end and he was very upset that he'd worked his whole life made all this money, had all this wealth. And when he died, it was going to be left behind. So he started praying, hey God, can I bring some of it with me? So an angel showed up and said, look, good news is you're on the list. Bad news is you can't bring any of this stuff with you. So he said, you don't understand. Just go ask God for one favor. Just bend the rules this one time. So a couple days later, the angel comes back and said, I don't know what you did in your life, but, but God's going to let you bring one suitcase of your wealth into heaven. So the man is overjoyed and he packs the biggest suitcase he can find full of gold bars, pure gold bars. And when he gets to heaven, Peter's a little bit confused and he says, wait, wait, you can come in, but the suitcase has to stay outside. He said, no, you don't understand. The Lord told me I could bring it. He goes and checks the story, comes back and says, you're right. Whatever you've done, you get to bring that in, but I have to inspect it first. So they unzip the suitcase and the guy's proud of all his gold. And St. Peter just looks at him. Why in the world would you bring pavement to heaven? See, our riches are just mere pavement to God. We can't comprehend or even, even touch to understand how rich God is. And it's that same richness that Paul is praying the Holy Spirit will strengthen each of us. And if we're strengthened by a God that is infinitely rich, how much different could our life be? How much different would some of the situations that we encounter, some of the pain that we go through, how much different would we treat other people if we had that same strength inside of us? How much easier would it be those that don't make it easy to love them? I know my wife feels that way a lot, especially this morning. It's not human strength that Paul's praying for. It's the Holy Spirit strength, the Holy Ghost strength. That's powerful stuff. And then he continues and he says, so that, you can't have one or the other, you've got to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit so that Christ can dwell in your hearts. Now I want to remind you, he's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. He's talking to Christians. And he's telling them, well, Christ has to dwell in your heart. He can't just visit. You can't just be something you talk about and you wear the bracelet about and you do all these wonderful things. He has to dwell. He has to live as a resident, a permanent resident in your heart. He wants them to understand just how powerful this is. Holy Spirit, Christ dwelling in your heart. And the reason that he wants them to do that, he makes it very clear, is so that they can grasp. You can't fully understand it. But just so you can grasp an understanding of how magnificent the love of Christ is. How high, how deep, how long, how wide the love of Christ is. Paul knows that just like today, 
oftentimes we put on our Sunday best, we come to church, we shake hands, we say, hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. That's not the case. We all bring pain and burden and brokenness into worship every Sunday. And Paul's saying that's okay because you've got to have a little bit of that to understand how much Christ loves you. How many of you have used the term recently, I love you to the moon and back? That's become kind of a popular thing. It was for uh, the grandchildren within my family, uh, especially for my son, being the, the first grandchild on either side. But Logan shut that down quick. He didn't want to go to the moon. He didn't want you to go to the moon. So he did not want you to love him to the moon and back. But recently, my sister moved from South Carolina to Georgia, and that blew his mind. What do you mean she lives in another state? That might as well be China to him. So when he tells you how much he loves you, he says, I love you all the way to Georgia and back. And that's, that's big for him. So this week, as my sister went home, I started thinking, how much does Christ love us? And it's a, it's a real simple answer, but at the same time, man, it, it, makes you, it gets you excited to think about it. He loved us enough. He came all the way to earth. He went all the way to the cross. He went all the way to the grave. Here's the best part. He came back to earth and then went back to heaven. See, we celebrate the resurrection every day, or we should. Every single day of our lives, we should celebrate the resurrected Savior. That's how much He loved us. And see, we think about that sometimes, and we tell people, man, whoo, Christ has done so much in my life. And like, what do you mean? Well, he, he died for me. Yeah, and that's awesome, and that's great, and that's overwhelming to think about. But let's make it personal for a minute. See, Christ didn't die for Andrew going to seminary, going to start preaching, going to do... He didn't die for that Andrew. He died for the Andrew that Andrew knows. So it makes it personal. Who knows you better than yourself? Probably nobody. My mom would probably argue that she does, but that's not true either. We all have junk. We all have things we don't share with people because we wonder if we will be seen as worthy. See, Christ died for the same Andrew that for years struggled with, did God love me? Did I love God? Sitting in the same pew that I'm sitting here looking at now. For years and years I struggled with that. Very bitter, very angry. And the best part is, he knows that. He knows my junk. He knows your junk. And he died for us anyway. He says it doesn't matter. I died knowing your junk. I died for you anyway. And would have died if it was just you or just me on the face of the earth. Would have done it just for one of us. It's amazing if, if thinking about that doesn't really hit you in your heart. I think the old saying is, your wood's wet. That ought a lot of fire in our souls. And if we know that Christ loves us that much, how are we not sharing it with everybody? Not necessarily with our words, but with our actions. Then he goes on to say that, that God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. You know, think about what God's done in this church in the last decade. Ten years ago, looking back, I don't think anybody would have seen where we were now. It's a God thing. 
It's a God thing that yesterday we had people willing to give up their Saturday to go love on people in communities. They don't, that's not normal. It's a God thing that we got people willing to come spend the night to witness to other people at our church. That we've got kids willing to climb up on roofs and fix houses. That we're welcoming kids. That's God's stuff. You see, when we are full of the love of Christ, that's what happens. So think about it now. If, if we've come that far in 10 years and we fill up on God every single chance we can, where will we be in 10 more years? What difference can this church make in this community? Realizing the fullness of God is not easy. But Paul tells us that it's possible. And I take Paul's word for it. Because when he's on his knees praying this, he is chained to a Roman soldier. And he is still so overwhelmed with God's grace and God's mercy for how he changed his life that he's telling these people, you've got to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Christ has got to dwell within you. And then he tells them, he says, you've got to be together with all God's holy people. You have to worship together. You have to share struggles together so that you can understand just how much Christ loves each and every one of us. So I don't know what you came looking for today. I don't know what it is you need. But the question remains the same. Have you filled up? If you haven't filled up, when are you going to fill up? So you can do like Andrew and you can travel on your own gas for a little while. You used to do it all the time trying to go back to Charleston. Then you hit Newberry and there's nothing for 20 miles. And you're out of gas. So I don't know what you came for today. But it's a real, real simple message. Jesus Christ loves you so much that He came to this earth to die for you. And God can do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. In your life, in my life, in the life of this church. So as we sing our, our final hymn today, the altar's open for anybody that wants to come kneel and pray. I know what it is you're looking for, but I know this, if you'll come ask, God will give you more than you ask for. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes, <laughs>